Lumbar stenosis is a narrowing of the lower spine, and it can cause all kinds of discomfort. Today, we'll talk about diagnosis and treatment of lumbar stenosis with Dr. Esteban Cuartas, orthopedic spine surgeon at Montefiore, St. Luke's Cornwall. Welcome to Doc Talk, presented by Montefiore, St. Luke's Cornwall. Great to have you here, Dr. Cuartas. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you give a quick sort of layman's anatomical explanation of what lumbar stenosis is? Sure. So the spine does two basic things. One is hold up the whole structure of your body and serve as an attachment for muscles, but it's also a conduit or basically like a pipe that carries the nerves, which are like the electrical wires, to your arms and to your legs. So when we're talking about stenosis, we're talking about the fact that that pipe or that conduit is getting narrower over time, and then we start to present with symptoms related to the narrowing, which would be either nerve symptoms or claudication. So claudication comes from the Latin for having to stop walking. So it's a symptom whereby the person can't walk very far, and it sort of sounds more complicated than it is. So, for example, when you're taking a walk with a grandmother or so, and they have to stop walking and take a seat. So in a way, that symptom is called claudication. I see. Now, when we're talking about symptoms, is there a range of symptoms someone may have, or are they fairly predictable? No, there's a very broad range of symptoms. Some people can have very bad stenosis on imaging, which is to say, in reality, their spinal canal could be very narrow and they could have very scant symptoms or sometimes none at all. Or they can oscillate and change over different days depending on the activity level. But the symptoms can vary from basically not much at all to a dull, low-level ache in the lower back buttocks area to a more distinct nerve pain type of symptom where there is nerve pain radiating down a leg with either tingling or numbness associated with it as well. So we know lumbar stenosis is caused by a narrowing, but what causes that to happen, that narrowing? So I would say there's two broad categories that we see in the clinic. One is this narrowing that happens through the degenerative processes, which is basically through getting older. So the process of getting older for the spine involves all the multiple joints that we have. We have essentially three joints between each vertebral bone. We have the disc and we have the facet joints posteriorly. And all these joints develop arthritis and wear and tear as we get older. And the main portion of of the arthritis involves the smaller joints tend to get bigger or grow bone spurs, such as the knuckles in people's hands. Some folks tend to develop much bigger knuckles, and the same process happens in the spine, specifically in the posterior aspect of the spine where we have the facet joints. And then the discs also undergo a process of wear and tear. And the main thing that we see is that there's loss of height, which then also leads to sort of overcrowding of all the structures and of impingement or narrowing of the spinal canal related to all these changes. 
So what can we do about lumbar stenosis? What are their options for treatment? To some extent, some of these things are predetermined. Some folks are born with very small spinal canal dimensions, and we call that congenital spinal stenosis, which when you're born and you're a young child or a young adult, you may feel totally fine despite having smaller spinal canal dimensions. But then when you start to develop wear and tear, then you develop symptoms. So some of these things are things that we're born with. Some of them are genetically determined, like, for example, the rate at which we develop wear and tear and arthritis is probably very strongly genetically determined. We do see folks that develop arthritis very rapidly at an earlier age in the spine, and some folks that don't develop that much arthritis. So those things are innate. What can we do to prevent these symptoms and this problem, I would say that for the most part, staying fit, staying active, trying to maintain good muscle tone, especially around the core, this all probably helps stave off some of the wear and tear and some of the symptoms. Is lumbar stenosis progressive then? Once you are feeling symptoms, is that going to get worse? Is it curable or do you have to live with it? Yes, I would say that it is something that is progressive. What we don't know is how fast is it going to progress. So typically, patients that we're seeing in clinic for spinal stenosis, we will follow them for some time and try to get a feel for what their symptoms are really doing over time. Are they oscillating? Are they going away for long periods of time? Or are they really progressively impairing their quality of life and their function? So everybody's different. How do you diagnose the lumbar stenosis? Does that require x-ray or CT or what tools do you use? We go initially by history, which is very important in the clinical evaluation of the spine patient. For example, we definitely have to pay attention to what kind of symptoms the patient is having, how long they've had them, what makes them worse. Are they being able to walk enough to meet their needs? Or sometimes it's the spouse or the significant other that lets us know, oh, he doesn't or she doesn't want to walk anymore, and or they can't really take care of the basic activities of daily living. And so the first step is really the history, and that almost gives us a pretty good idea of what we're looking for. And obviously, then we also depend on imaging. And MRI imaging has been really the workhorse of evaluation of the spine patient. Can lumbar stenosis get better? I would say yes and no. I think that the imaging may not really get much better over time in general, but the symptoms can get better. Some patients respond rather well to physical therapy and to conditioning because I think probably that has to do with the more fit you are, the better you can compensate and adjust your position and really push through some of these symptoms. So I think physical therapy can definitely help. But the best thing we can do, it sounds like, is to try to prevent spinal stenosis in the first place, or at least prevent it from worsening, even if we don't know yet that we have it, 
by doing core work and exercise and building those bones. Is there anything else we can do to prevent spinal stenosis? I don't think there's that much that we know for certain about this. I think leading a healthy lifestyle and an active lifestyle is important. It's also important to try to prevent injury to the spine. I think that some of the changes that we see in the spine can be accelerated or initially traced back to an injury, either lifting something very heavy and damaging a disc. That disc later on can turn into what we commonly call a bulging disc and so on and so forth, and that can lead to some stenosis. So I think that injury prevention is key by really realizing what types of activities such as heavy lifting or lifting while leaning forward or bent forward are the most stressful to the spine. And then I think the activity level is probably not much that has been studied about that, but I do think that progressive inactivity in a poor lifestyle can trigger the genetic processes that lead to faster development of arthritis. So wear and tear is going to happen, but there are ways to deal with prevention, such as injury prevention, and just being aware of the way we use our bodies when we do lift, when we do carry, even when we walk or sit. And I think just the activity level helps. The body responds like the age-old maxim of use it or lose it. I think if we remain active, that keeps the body and the genetic environment in the body from triggering some of these changes that we see in the elderly folks sometimes happening in younger patients. Sometimes it's genetic, but I would say some folks start to develop calcification of ligaments very early on or stiffening of the spine very early on, and others don't. So I think that there's going to be more to come about what are really triggers that we can modify or prevent, but I think that just a common sense at this time would be stay active and prevent injuries. Yep. Those are the keys. This is great information that sheds light on what we can do to address that lower back pain that so many of us suffer from. Thank you so much for your time and expertise, Dr. Cuartas. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Doc Talk, presented by Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall. For more information, please visit MontefioreSLC.org. That's MontefioreSLC.org. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all other Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall podcasts. I'm Amanda Wild. Be well.